Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and you tune in today because you're sick of trying every fad diet under the sun and training yourself into the ground without seeing any results. That's why I'm here to share the most effective ways to eat and train for sustainable and real results. What's up, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. I'm actually joined by a good friend of mine, Mark Orville, probably known to you guys as Angry Dad on today's episode. And we're going to be talking about his new documentary just recently released called F Off Mitchell, which is the Angry Dad story. You guys will be able to access this through the link in today's show notes. But Mark is one of the most genuine people I've ever met. Um, He has a story that he wants to share with the world and it's going to have a huge impact and I'm glad you guys are tuned in for today's episode because it's going to be a great one. So thanks so much for listening. If you take some value from today's show, please do take a screenshot of today's episode and post it up on your Instagram story for myself and Mark and tag us both. I'll have the link to his Instagram and all of the social media um, in the show notes below. If you haven't seen any of the Angry Dad videos, then you, my friend, are missing out. So I'll have the link to their page in the show notes as well. But sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode with Angry Dad. AD, welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, mate. Pleasure to be here. Maybe drop the fitness bit, the lifestyle bit. <laughs> Probably lifestyle potentially podcast. suits, but the fitness bit, not sure I can get my mind around that one, to be honest. Mate, to get it started, I want you to tell me which Angry Dad prank pissed you off the most. Pissed me off the most? Um, a tattoo, probably. Tattoo. That's right. They've defaced my body. That's no one gets right. to see my... I fucking forgot yeah, about that one. No one, forgets, no one gets to see my ass, luckily, but <laughs> at the end of the day, it's property. I should be able to sue the bastard, shouldn't I? <laughs> I forgot about that one. Yeah, it's still there. What? Um, so, obviously, the response, and um, we're going to get into the doctor, obviously, but the response to the best response to a video would have to have been the honk if you're horny one. Yeah, I think in terms of virality and views and the like, yep, that, that for some reason struck a chord, and I don't know, Mitch sort of quoted what it had, had across the different platforms, but yeah, it was, it, 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 was so, it was about as big as my belly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there any of them that you look back now and just go, fuck me, that was very clever, and you think it's, you can see how funny it is? For everyone else to watch it. Oh yeah, look, the the, the the water one, the coin in the water one is is probably the only <laughs> one I've ever laughed at, and and I think so again, simple, yeah. well, it's but simple. It's simple, so but Mitch was a, a bit of a magician when he was younger, so I, I thought at that point, you know, again, he got me at the right time. It's the first time because it was probably only the second or the third one they'd done. The first couple he'd sort of almost hidden the camera to different spots, whatever. This this one he sat it down in between a fucking pot plant. Right when he okay, came right. out, and I was busy reading the news, <laughs> but that, that was that was funny. Um, the relatable ones, I think, in that yeah. that's even like changing the the the, the TV station Fuck, that was outside out. the window because Hands down, that was probably one of my favourite ones. If I had done that to my dad, he would have gone absolutely nuts. He would have whacked me as yeah. well. <laughs> but again, I think those simple relatable yeah. ones, and which is why they don't do it anymore because they're not home. They don't live with me anymore, yeah, yeah, yeah. so they miss that opportunity. Yeah. So <laughs> now the whole purpose, or the main purpose of chatting today. Because uh, usually I can't fuck talking to you, but today... Yeah, I know. Uh, well, you know what? It is what it is. Like, it's fucking everyone's bored, so you might as well fucking talk to me. <laughs> no, the main purpose of talking today is about the new doco. So, fuck off, Mitchell. The Angry Dad story. Um, I was fortunate enough to come and come to the premiere last week. Last it's a week, week ago, yeah. yeah it's a week ago, quick. yeah. Um, and it was unreal. Like, I, I brought Danielle along and, and said to her when we left, like, the impact of it will be huge. And, and I absolutely loved it. And we'd spoken about yeah. a month or two beforehand about it already. Um, but still, like, like, it was just unreal. So first of all, congratulations, because it was an amazing thing. And I think, like I said, the impact is going to be huge. 
Um, and we'll I'll chat I'll touch on this again, guys. I've mentioned it in the intro, but I'll add the link to the to the doco yep. in in today's show notes for everybody to go and, and have a look yourself. Um, and you know, a lot of the pro, all the proceeds go to a very worthy cause with Movember. Um, let's go back to to kind of bits and pieces through the doco. Obviously, we want to save it for people to go and watch it, but. Yep. Your first game in in the AFL with um, or VFL then with yeah. with um, Collingwood, I believe, was around 16, 1987. It was. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so you started off before then. Had you had any kind of like serious injuries leading up to that? Nah, because you know, again, I packed the bags at sixteen to come yeah. down here. So the body's sort of pretty flexible and durable at sixteen. You know, country footy, junior footy, didn't even get to play senior mm. footy down there. Um, you, you, you train once a week and then you play. So there's yeah. not a massive impact on your body. Mm. So late maturer, if you look at body type, back then not body type, now endo, ecto, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm just a fucking mountain. But, <laughs> you know, I think that was probably one of the things, impact on body. Yeah. Train once in, in the country, come down here, train four or five times a week. Yeah. And I, I, that's looking back now and assuming these are sort of the contributing factors. But the answer is no. Yeah. Um, and then and you just, know what? Like you look at a lot of guys now. Like I've got a handful of mates um, myself who have gone from training pretty heavily already in country footy or even metro footy, and then getting drafted, and then getting stress fracture, fracture mm-hmm. after stress fracture after stress fracture, yep. um, just from the ridiculous load. It is. It's actual impact. And again, if, if it's like if anything, if it's foreign to you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's potential things you need to look out for. And it's that whole management cycle now that the, the clubs are, are way more aware of, yeah. right? And they take a hell of a lot of notice of. Back then, no one did, right? You, mm. you, you trained and you played whether you're injured or not. So that wasn't just me, it's everyone, right? And some people have luck of the draw, others don't. And, yeah. and mine just turned out to be unfortunate. Tell us about like your headspace when you got the call up for that first game. Like, what was what was that feeling like? Oh, it was actually incredible to me, and I can remember it. I, I remember the clothes I was wearing. We said we didn't wear uniforms to games those days. Yeah. It was just turn up casual. And I lived pretty much across the road from the footy clubs. I only had to cross Punt Road, and I lived with McWan and Chris Siska um, and another couple other country boys at this point. And they were playing in the twos that day, so I was the only yeah. one home. They were already over at Vic Park playing. Oh, yeah. So I remember actually running up and down the corridor, bouncing the footy, talking to myself, you know, as you do as yeah, a, yeah. was it 18, not just 19, I was 19, um, yeah, 19, uh, just psyching myself up to say, here's the opportunity. So again, it's great memories and it's, I can close my eyes and it seems like yesterday. Yeah. And for those of um, you that don't know, Mark grew up in Hamilton, not too far away from, from Horsham, where I grew up. So... How was like the support have been pretty unreal from back home as well? Oh, it's incredible. You know, again, because you, you look at our region and there's been some absolute stars come out of there. You know, Billy Pick and Ricky Barham, um, Philip Walsh, who's clearly passed yeah. now. And I played basketball with Walshy. I knew Walshy really, really well. So there, it didn't happen all the time in terms yeah. of people coming out of the country and making it. So, yeah, it, it was a big thing at the time. It was. And they were fantastic, the local radio stations and papers, because yeah. they loved it. You know, yeah. homegrown talent, pretty much. Yeah. So. And that G's you up a fair bit as well when you're going into yeah, a game it, like that. Yeah, of course, 100%. Like, it, it was it, it, amazing memories. Amazing yeah. memories. And then you came in into the VFL then, um, had an impact straight away. And then when was it when you first kind of got the... The become aware of the, the soreness of the injury in your foot, and tell us a bit about what the actual yeah, well, what you I'd, know now about the injury. Well, I'd, I'd already had it for you know nearly two years, as right. it turns out, right? It was it was there festering, and I was managing it in yeah. terms of you know trying to 
get out of training when I could and, and taken a break every now and then. And it was all sort of ligament related mm. at that point with what they'd sort of diagnosed it as because the technology wasn't there to detect. You know, x-ray bone scan didn't detect it. Again, they know so much more about stresses now, hot spots and the like. They get just straight off it. Mm. And I think, I don't know, statistically, probably nine out of ten fix themselves in that six, eight weeks. Yeah. But... Um, so it lingered for a, a while, and it was after 87 when that, actually my last game in 87, when they decided to actually um, take it to the next stage and, and do an MRI, which again is about detecting, using new technology and, and, yeah. and can sort of look a little bit deeper, and that's when they diagnosed it. So I was probably angry at that point, but still... How many I, games did you played at I've only point? played six. six I played six, play. yeah. yeah. So sort of frustrated and angry at the same time happy that they'd found it because yeah. again the solution was let's just put you into hospital put a screw in there and you'll be fine right and so that's you went straight into surgery the pretty much season. two weeks straight after the right. 87 season straight in and then it was just recovery but it was just downhill from then yeah so tell us a bit about that and like i said i don't want to talk too much about all this stuff because i want everyone to go watch the doco but um from that point what was the process then? And I know, you know, you end up having, what was it? Five nine. Or I've had nine operations. Nine operations on that one. Yeah, nine thing. operations, yeah. Battery-operated bone stimulators. I had fucking hit bone from my hips three times. So I've had my whole foot fused, which is, you know, part of the the sort of issue I deal with day-to-day now around just being sort of half mobile. I mean, being 140 kilos doesn't help. Let's not kid yeah. ourselves. So, <laughs> um, But, yeah, um, look, first operation, screw in and... Yeah. Cold hard reality is screw was put in too far and it was coming out my arch. So you think about a small bone with a big screw put in it, they pull it out and put another one in. Well, do that with a piece of timber and you sort of can visualize what actually fucking. We talked about navicular, which is one of the the biggest load bearing bones in your fucking body Mm. when you're up on your toes and twisting, turning and the like. So, you know, again, looking back, it was destined for disaster Mm. from fucking day one. Now, if the screw didn't go in too far, who knows what would have happened? Knows, it fucking yeah. did. It yeah, actually, yeah, and yeah. that, and again, it went from one screw to two screws to bone grafts to more bone grafts to fucking partial fusion to full fusion. So, you know, it was like, and I, I consulted five surgeons, and it was like, it was just damage control pretty much after mm. the first one, and it was suck it and see. Let's hope this works. Yeah, fucking didn't work. Didn't work. And before you um, had that first surgery done. Because well, obviously today I want to touch on um, a fair bit about headspace and, and mental health, obviously. I talk about it a lot on this podcast, how important your mental health is, just as, if not more so, than your physical health. Yep. If you don't have your mental health, then you don't have physical health. But had you um, ever come up, like, have you ever noticed before that point that you'd gone through any, like, mental, like, struggles or anything before having all these surgeries? Like, obviously, nah. you're still pretty young. So nah, you know what? The, the biggest struggle I had was dealing with leaving home. Yeah. And, you know, Absolutely. I suppose, and that's trying, if I define the difference, one was about feeling sad, upset and lonely, but you recover pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, what I experienced for fucking nearly 20 years after that was very, very different. And mm. you know bits of it at the time, but it's more the, the value of hindsight looking back that shows you um, yourself in terms of what those distinct differences are. Look, Collingwood, and, and I remember this, his name was Colin actually, just coming to me then. They got a psychiatrist in for me at that right. point um, because the thinking was uh, it, so was, it was a bit of a mental thing for me that, and I needed to get my get mind stronger yeah, yeah, yeah. and deal with 
the impacts of surgery and the issues around pain and tolerance thresholds and all this sort of stuff. So that was probably, and I'm guessing here, but that was almost ahead of its time because footy clubs didn't have psychologists no. back then. They had fucking boot studders and fucking property stewards. That's about it. Yeah. So, <laughs> and people that made soup on a Thursday yeah. night. <laughs> but so, so for those listening like that, Anyone that's ever had any form of injury, like even like at the moment, like I'm waiting for my shoulder to recover and the only thing I can't do is, is train. I can still do a lot of other stuff, but it does, it, it really affects your, your headspace. And even if you, whether you recognize it or not, if you're taking away something that you mm. do often all the time to, and you can no longer do it, it fucks with your headspace a lot. And when it's your, your living and it's yeah, the one thing Yeah, it's your thing dream. You're it's there, your, it's, it's your actually dream, your dream. It, it's obviously going to affect you. So what, you know, obviously you're not playing yeah, recovering from surgeries and stuff like day to day what were you doing do you reckon um, well I suppose that's probably the upside of the old day footy was you still worked yeah. right now you're on your feet a little bit too that didn't help but regardless it actually kept your mind occupied because mm. you were working right yeah. if you're sitting around home all day like the modern day player now it would probably be worse, worse. for them right they've got more tools at their disposal but they spend a lot of time on their own as well. Yeah. I didn't have that. So again, looking back, I think that's a positive yeah. because the time I did have alone and on my own um, to, to sort of grasp what was happening as it got worse was, um, but that was enough to fuck your brain. It was as simple as that. Yeah. And so you reckon it was just the, because over how many years, like from, so what, 1987 was the first game and then your I last played one, game. I played one game in 88, pretty much missed the whole of the 88 season, played three reserves games toward the end and got straight back in. And that was, you know, the, again, the, the memories wise, that was the last game against Geelong, Vic Park, Collingwood guaranteed to play in the finals. And if you look at 88, that was against Carlton the next week, there's 90,000 or something there. So, and, you know, Matthews had said to me, just get your, get your touch right. You know, I'm going to back you, come in, yeah. have a crack, get your touch right. We've got a big game next fucking week. Mm. Imagine it. That's yeah. today Silvani took that huge grab on yeah. fucking Stasevic. So yeah. again, it's all entrenched in my brain in yeah. terms of almost closing my eyes and visualizing where you could have been. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't call this out to have anyone feel sorry for me um it's just it's just a, a a fucking it's just a look back on your life like people do at different times well that's what i was about to say like a lot of people would be would have that same experience over and over again in their own heads on, on different degrees obviously like it's they don't may not be having these hmm. thoughts about whether or not they could have played in front of ninety thousand, but it could be something simple as like where went something wrong with the relationship where something went wrong yep. with their own workplace or whatever the fuck it is. Mm, of course, um, and, and that's why, you know, oh, like I think I touched on the documentary, um, hey, there's a hell of a lot more fucking people worse off than me in life, right? And, and, and I see that every day and I feel, I think it puts life into perspective, you know? And mm. I, it, it, didn't, it didn't make the final documentary, but we did, there was a few little um, trailers that were made available. And at the end of the day, there's some of those questions direct asking me about you know the footy club that experience and all that and you know my answer at the end of it was hey it didn't work out the way I wanted to but it's still a fucking good club unreal yeah of course it is
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And then, so you played your last game, though, and then from that point onwards, like, when, when did you kind of personally um, recognise or understand that what you were, like, the emotions that you were going through were pretty consistent and not, not like a normal, just not just a normal reaction to the fact that you were injured? You know, it wasn't until after I'd left, Yeah. in all honesty, and it was probably three years after I left, sort of at that 25 sort of age, just, just around the time Dylan was born, I think, was probably the the first real time that reality had to sink in that I'd, I'd left at the end of 91 right mm. um so about that whole 93 ish and i think it was progressive from then now about two three years after that i think it hit home because pretty much sharon just said i can't keep fucking dealing with this she, mm. you know because she'd been an absolute rock um but there's she she just felt there's nothing she could do. There's so much she can do. There's, yeah. there's just nothing. And that was about that whole trying to accept what had actually happened. Because you dream that at the end of the day it recovers and all of a sudden the phone rings again and they want you back because yeah. you're right. Yeah. <laughs> but again, it, um, that just wasn't going to happen. Mm. And so once you, you know, looking back at it now, I think one of the biggest takeaways that most people would have taken from the documentary and those that um, are yet to watch it will be you know, the importance of actually speaking up and, and communicating and just talking about it in general. So um, I, I think by memory, Santa Doco is pretty much Sharon and, and your mum that you've spoken to about... You know, it's funny, to. like, I've known people for 30 years that were actually at the doco that messaged me after it. And I knew, I knew this, right? Yeah, yeah. They were close friends. And I sent them all a, a message prior to it and said, I'd love for you to attend. And I'm hoping that what this might do is allow you to understand, not make excuses, mm. but understand my behaviours throughout our friendship yeah. for that period of time. Because yeah. they didn't know anything, mm. right? And I did a lot of things that I look back on and regret that if my kids did now, I would, I would kill them, yeah. right? And you know, it's funny, every one of them reached out to me and said, oh my God, I didn't know that you were... Um, I get a bit emotional with this shit, yeah. Oh, thanks that you were actually that you were actually suffering so much. Yeah. And maybe that's the the downside. Sorry, mate. Um, no, that's a downside sorry. of suffering in silence. Mm. And that for me is um, why I sort of felt I needed to come out and share with people that the reality is, you know, people these days see you online, they think you're funny, you've got a good family, you drive a nice car, you've got a nice house, but no one's immune to it for no. whatever reason, yeah. right? And the upside is it's manageable, it's treatable, and life can be fucking good and normal again. Mm. So yeah. talk about it. Don't shy away from it. Deal with it. It's more accepted now to do that. And yeah. you know what? Just fucking be strong. Yeah. I think a, a couple of big takeaways from that, you know, for both sides is one, you know, if you are going through something that, like you just said, is more than okay to talk about it and should... And 
not only is it going to help you, but it's also going to help those around you understand, uh, like you said, as yep. to why maybe your behavior is different. But for other people as well, that's something that I've, I try and um, take on board a lot is that you just have, have, never have any idea what someone is going through. No, you don't. So you can never no. judge someone off, no. well, off Here's people that have known me for 30 years that only found out through the doco of the 17 to 20 year fucking struggle that I had. Crazy, isn't it? And, and that was deliberate because then they, and I say it, I, I was going to take this to the grave with me. I mean, why? Is it because I'm embarrassed and shamed? Yeah, I reckon. I reckon. I reckon. Because I fucked up a lot, mate. Embarrassed during this time. and ashamed of, of what behaviour or the fact that you, you're embarrassed. That I couldn't deal with you, it. That yeah, I couldn't deal with it. It took me to really bad places. Yeah. And it, and I, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Right? And I, you, you, the way I look back on it is you get yourself into this fucking tailspin you don't know you don't know what you're doing and amazingly i had a a pretty successful corporate life for that period and i'm yeah. sort of running different businesses and i i feel like i had done two lives because i'd have this shit life at home where i didn't want to leave rooms didn't want to yeah. talk to anyone didn't want to be nice to anyone then i'd go to work and either run national sales teams or an actual business with 200 people in it and it was a whole new me i'd get in the car and come home and i'd turn into this fucking sort of sad, angry, depressed person that would go home and then take it out on Sharon and the kids. Yeah. It's pretty, like, I look back at it and I go, you know, like, how the fuck Sharon's still with me is, is it's just unbelievable. Oh, yeah. It is actually unbelievable. And, I, you know, this isn't fabricating one piece of it. This is, it, it blows my mind still today as to why she didn't walk out. And to the point around the friends that didn't know it, I'm sure she had many that said to her, what the fuck are you still doing with that dickhead? Yeah, and, and, and again, yeah. I'm not being flippant. Yeah, That's yeah. fact. Yeah, That's crazy, isn't it? So, you know, when you were, when you did get to the point where you were willing to talk about it, what were some of the things like, was there any tools in particular that you found helped a lot or was it literally just about opening up and actually sharing? Uh, you know, look, at the end of the day, going back to the point when I, I, I Sharon pretty much gave me the ultimatum you know it was about professional help and, and again without med- medication if I didn't have medication for 15, what, 15 to 17 years um, firstly I couldn't function and I can tell you right now secondly I wouldn't be here yeah. and again I, I don't say that to be alarmist it's fact right? right? it's fact and I self assess even to, as far as that's concerned and I don't know if I'm weak or I'm brave, the fact that I'm still here. Because I don't want to go into intricate details, but at the end of the day, there's a couple of occasions, like I touch on the documentary another minute later, and I wouldn't be here. So at that point in time, I managed to, I don't know, slap myself in the face or whatever, but I'm still here. Yeah. But am I weak or am I, or, or, or am I brave and strong? I don't know. At the point, I felt weak. Now looking back, I feel lucky and I feel brave yeah. because I, 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 I wouldn't be able to be here to, to tell the story. Tell the story, yeah. And it's as simple as that. Oh, well, I think 100% I speak for everyone who's seen the documentary. Anyone that knows you, you should feel brave and you should feel proud about what you're doing because not only are you opening up a very vulnerable side about yourself, but the amount of people that you'll help. And, and that's, that's the thing. If your documentary... Or even this podcast, or anything that you do talking about mental health, if that helps one person, it's service purpose. One person. You know, I look back and in terms of the, since the process started about nine, ten months ago, the people that are brave that should be highlighted in all of this are the people that through this whole angry dad shit, right? And if the legacy I leave when I depart at some point this fucking earth is that 
I've made people laugh and smile and realize how important that laughter mm. and smiling mm. is to them at that point in time of their life, coming from very, very deep, dark places. Them opening up and sharing that with me is what is, was the sole driver about saying, oh, I, I want to and need to do this. It's as simple as that. Because you know, I'd, I'd respond to people with something that was sort of upbeat, trying to give them some reassurance around, you know, like be strong, whatever. But it come from, as far as this is concerned, these messages come back to them from angry dad, yeah. not from a sufferer, right? And I think yeah. there's a really distinct difference there yeah, because yeah. it gives some validation and some credibility to the comment that yeah. at the end of the day, I'm telling you this because I've fucking been there for yeah, 20 yeah. years <laughs> and yeah, I know that tomorrow's a different day. Yeah. Nothing, none of it's easy, but yeah. it's all manageable. Now, when I respond to people, I, I sort of feel that I'm more bona fide in terms of what I say back to them and hopefully they get that and it means more to them. The response means more. And it's, again, that, and it's as simple as that. That is the sole driver for me when um, Aaron approached me to, to do all this. Mm. It was just time. And we, we touched on it before, the, um, before we, we press record, but what's the feedback been like? So Look, you know, I'm really blown away with the feedback and and I, I say that in terms of using one measure and that measure is around validation that people have appreciated it, mm. it made sense to them, they actually all have felt like surprised and shocked that that was the case, but it, it showed them also that it doesn't matter who you fucking are. Mm that deep down, no one really knows what's going on in anybody's life. Yeah. Um, and like you've said before, like, you know, it's easy to look at these as fucking unreal and funny as they are. Look at these Angry Dad videos or look at your social media, look at any of the kids' social media and just go, fuck, what, like, what has he got to complain about? Life's yeah. perfect, like you said, but you just never know. 100%. And, and again, for those that haven't seen the documentary, um, they'll see the same in terms of Dylan. You know, it was history repeating itself, right? And Dylan has been so brave in all this as well. And again, as I sort of reflect and, and sort of self-critique the whole thing, you know, Dylan was, the f of the kids, he was the first one I actually sat down and spoke with honestly mm. when he went through his issues after being delisted from the Crows. Because again, dream come to a, a, a sudden end and his, his life was shattered. And, and what you can see in the documentary, what it really meant to him, but... I didn't sit down with him. He would have, he would have thought initially I was going to sit down as the annoying sticky nose parent that's just trying to actually, you know, stick their nose in. For the first time, and he, I, I still remember the conversation. I looked at him and said, "Can you hear me out? This is what I want to talk to you about." Yeah. And I spoke to him as a sufferer and someone who'd been there, and yeah. immediately, you know, you're talking about a 20 year old kid here right yeah. immediately he got it yeah. firstly there's an element of shock because he didn't know yeah. probably helped explain a few reasons why during his upbringing growing up I was such a fucking miserable prick at times yeah. right yeah that it actually did it create a special bond I think it did mm. because he got it well it almost comes back to what you said before all of a sudden all those chats that you have with him or even what you had had with him in the past all now make more sense, sense and it's a lot makes more relatable, sense. doesn't it? Makes sense. And you know what it did? It meant that he actually communicated 
right? Because at the end of the day, people react differently. You go into hibernation, you become a recluse, you, 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 you move yourself away from society and friends and family. You know, he talked about mm. it. And you know what, when someone's suffering in silence, being, having those channels of communication open is so critical because we know what the consequence is and it happens all too often. You know, six blokes a day fucking commit suicide. Yeah. Six a day. Yeah. 75% of suicide is men. Mm. For me, the channel of communi- communication around all of that is so, so critical. So critical. Yeah, 100%. And how's um, Shaz? She would be very proud of it, about the fact that you've opened up about it. Yeah, she is. Because I think for her, it's almost like a, a monkey off her back. And, you know... I look at it now, I'm 52. Um, the last, you know, 10 odd, 12, 13 years, you know, have been so much better than mm. the fucking 20 leading up to that. Now, it doesn't leave you. Let's not kid ourselves, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly right? But you learn how to manage it. You know mm. the triggers, right? And it's the triggers for me that's the key thing. I've got, you know, I've, I've tried to train. You train yourself every day physically, yeah. right? I train myself every day mentally. And I slip up lots right yeah. I slip up lots but I know I know how to manage it now mm. and I'm so much better at it there's times I actually still just have to distance myself and get myself right and yeah. and almost it's, a, it's, a, it's almost like a, a form of meditation without it being meditation yeah, yeah. I just challenge my brain yeah. with those um, things I know that actually work mm. right and there's a saying I have and it's just drop the anchor right and one of the professionals that I sought help from taught me that, right? Yeah. You picture yourself out fishing. You know, you're gonna, you've found where you want to be. You're in a boat. You drop the anchor, right? Everything just, just goes away, right? Yeah. The boat's there. It's it's now secured. But everything goes away. And it's, yeah. uh, it's my internal trigger mechanism. I mm. say to myself, drop the anchor, which is let the negativity go. Yeah. Fucking get your mind right, etc. And it's been, it's been really powerful for me. Yeah, that's awesome couple of things before I wrap up do you think that you know getting these messages from people because of so the whole angry dad movement I guess you'd call it do you think without all these messages from people saying you know this has helped me through but this this and this do you reckon you ever would have got to no. the point where you did open up no. about it no, no. It's no. Insane, there, would, there, there wouldn't have been a reason for me to do to it do right it. Yeah, yeah. would I have potentially talked about it more openly more openly within um, close family and friendship groups possibly but I doubt it Mm. I actually doubt it because you know what you don't sit around having a beer saying you know why I was a prick fucking 20 years ago and used to go out and bash everyone yeah. it's because I struggled mm. and I was in a dark place because there's nothing to be proud about no. with that right no. it's a consequence of the situation that you're actually in so the answer is no yeah. and that's why you know again the the only upside of this whole angry dad shit is at the end I've got to meet some amazing people and that's just not people you know that are that are well known in society or whatever this is real real people yeah, that are people. sitting back there going you know what today's shit but I watch that video and I actually laugh I, I, I get I get I wake up in the morning and I see these messages and it actually gets me motivated now yeah, to bed because it makes me fucking feel good yeah as silly as it sounds it makes me feel good yeah 100% well, AD, thanks for coming on the show, mate. I really appreciate it. And I, as I said, I'll have the link to the doco in um, in the show notes. But where can people find it? It's um, at www.welcomestranger.com.au. Um, people can actually go there, access it, um, stream it. It's a $4.99 or 95 charge. Yeah. 
and I should say, and I want to call out Movember in terms of the the partner, which is a global partner and a very much around men's mental health and about awareness and opportunities like this to raise much needed funds for sufferers have been super and, I, and they've been a really, really amazing partner in this and um, I wanted to sort of make sure that, that, they, that everyone knows about yeah. it because um, it's important. Unreal. Appreciate you coming on, mate. Is there anything else that you wanted to throw in there? or? Well, I've got 15 minutes. Can you actually lose fucking 40 kilos in 15 <laughs> minutes before I have to go or not? We'll see what we can do, mate. We're going to actually have to go in the gym to do that, though. Fucking hell. <laughs> Cheers, mate. mate. You're, a good, you you're, you're a good mate, and I appreciate you. Have, I'm more than happy to have a chat. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Thanks so much for listening, guys. If you've taken some value from today's show, which I'm sure everybody has, please do take a screenshot of this episode now and post it up on your Instagram story for us. Um, definitely go and, and purchase the documentary and have a watch and, and see what you think and, and give Mark your feedback or just tell a friend to listen to watch it as well. Um, again, thanks for tuning in and look forward to chatting to you again on next week's episode.